Hey everybody, it's Randy Weddle. I'm your host for the Creation A New podcast, and that's what you're listening to right now. I am the pastor of Community Church of Mooresville, located in Mooresville, Indiana, and I'm also the pastor of Mount Pleasant Christian Church, located in the great town of Hall, Indiana, and I welcome you to our humble podcast. If this is your first time listening, I'm so glad that you're with us, and I hope that you will um, um, take a, take a listen to this podcast, and uh, hopefully it's a blessing to you, and that you'll share. The, did you hear my dog? My dog is trying to get into the podcast. It's crazy. I hope that as a first-time listener, you will like what you hear and also share it. And if you are coming back and and taking the punishment of listening to to this voice and listening to this podcast, I'm so grateful for you as well. Uh, I I do not take any one of you for granted. Uh, I'm thankful for every single one of you that that takes the time to listen to this podcast. Am I getting too sappy? If I am, just tell me. But uh, I'm so grateful that there are people out there that give me this opportunity. There's my dog again. My wife tells me, just let him bark. It's kind of endearing, but I don't know. I kind of look at it as maybe speaking in tongues and there's no interpreter. So anyway, that's just my dog. But I'm so glad that you're here and you're listening to this podcast. And uh, what do I want to talk about today, or what are we going to talk about today? Well, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to finish up church leadership. Because in the last episode, we talked about, you know, what what roles make up church leadership today, and, and what do they do? Uh, so we talked about that, and uh, if you want to know more, or if you uh, heard some things on there that, that you say, oh, I'm not sure about this, you're always welcome to contact me. My email address is randy at creationanew.com. And if you're in the central Indiana area, you're welcome to come to either church that I pastor, either Mount Pleasant Christian Church in Hall, Indiana, or Community Church of Mooresville in Mooresville, Indiana. And I can give the addresses and the information about the church services a little bit later in the podcast. But you're welcome to see me face-to-face. We can sit down and talk, have a cup of coffee if you want, um, and, and talk about these things. So let's talk a little bit further about church leadership. And what I want to talk about specifically are the qualifications of church leadership. Now, whenever I talk about these things and where I'm coming from is... 1 Timothy chapter 3, and um, from verse 1 all the way down um, to verse 13, you see qualifications for church leadership. You also see this in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. So I'm mainly going to reference 1 Timothy, but uh, just know that Titus chapter 1 also talks about the qualifications for church leadership. Now, um, I usually like to read the whole passage of whatever I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm, I'm not planning to do that. Um, the reason why is, is uh, I want to kind of keep things rolling here, and I'm going to trust 
that you will look at this piece of scripture. But just know that uh, I'm pulling the material from that from um, the, from First Timothy chapter three verses one through thirteen, and Titus chapter one verses five through nine. You see, in the last episode, I talked about poor leadership. And I, I cited some examples of poor leadership in churches. Here's a reason why I think there's poor leadership in churches. Because churches don't understand the significance of having biblical leadership. I don't think they take leadership in churches seriously. In fact, I actually had someone say to me one time, you know what, uh, the work of a pastor, we, you know, a monkey could do that work. Which tells me something. They have no clue what a pastor does. And they have no appreciation for what a pastor does. And um, if if you're you're following after the pattern of Scripture, a pastor is an invaluable resource. A deacon or a deaconess is a is an invaluable resource to the church. It's a treasure. It's a jewel. It's it's something that you would value. And to do the work correctly, you are working hard for the church. Um, you know, it's just the way it is. You're caring for the souls of people. And with that, it's tireless and it's never ending. And it's like being a parent. You're up late at night. You're up early in the morning sometimes. And, and it, the work never really ends. To have good biblical leadership You've got to have good biblical characters being the leaders of the church. And so I come into this, whenever I talk about this, I'm humbled because I want to tell you, over the years, I've taken a look at the qualifications for a pastor. And there are times when I've trembled because I think, am I even qualified? Do I, do I live up to the standard that Paul lays down in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And here's my answer. There is no pastor, there is no deacon, there's no deaconess that is always up to snuff. Now, I don't mean that we can never, you know, that we shouldn't try, but we have failures. We have things that happen. So when we go through this, I'm not trying to present myself as, hey, I've arrived. I have to work on things too. I have to confess sin. I have to change and repent. Uh, so this list, I'm convinced, is not a witch hunt. It's not something where it's like, okay, if you slip up here, you can. You have to step down from being a church leader. You can never be a church leader again. With repentance, there are many that can go back into leadership if they fall. And I have to tell you, this is the inside story of being a pastor. There's always failure. I don't care what pastor you are, there's always failure. If you're a deacon, there's failure. If you're a deaconess, there's failure. We still fight a sin nature. So I don't want you to think that this list is somehow something that you've got to be perfect to be a church leader because no one is except for Christ. But that doesn't mean as well that there should be no standards for leadership. And we need to hold leadership accountable to these standards.
things uh, like blatant rebellion against God's word has no place in the life of a church leadership or a church leader, I should say. So let's go through and and uh, I just I hope that this is sobering. I hope this will make you look at your church leadership and say, are they, you know, is there something wrong? If you're a church leader and you're listening to this and there's some things in here you need to repent of, uh, I hope that you do. And we need to take church leadership more seriously. We can't just have whoever in church leadership. And it's not something where we just fill the role because, meh, you're a warm body, so why don't you do it? God has standards, and if churches decide to, to, to lower these standards just to get people in a role, um, I think God will have plenty to say about it. So, I stand humbled with you as we go through this. And um, I, I stand with, with scars and and uh with failures too so i just want you to know that i'm not coming like i have all the answers and and i'm 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 here to you know just to set the record straight so there is a standard for church leadership we need to follow it and what i want to do because we're going to take a break what i want to do is come back and go right into things and and let's see what the qualifications are for church leadership okay be right back okay we're back guys and ready to roll here we're gonna we're gonna go through uh qualifications for church leadership and i'll be honest with you uh, lists can sometimes be boring to me and i don't mean to make this uh into a list but we're gonna go through through things rather rapidly and if you have further questions you are more than welcome to email me uh, my email address is randy at creationanew.com but we're going to go through the qualifications that we find for leadership in first timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 13 and we're going to also reference titus chapter 1 verses 5 through 9. all right here we go and check me on this, by the way, okay? Um, don't just take my word for it. Go into Scripture and take a look at things. So the first thing that we find is Paul talks about the, the, the qualifications for a pastor. We've talked about the role of a pastor. The pastor is the teacher. Um, he deals with the doctrine of the church. He deals with, with um, sermons. He deals with the teaching. And that's his role. He is to shepherd the flock and to feed the flock and to care for their spiritual um, condition. The overarching characteristic of a pastor is, first of all, that they are blameless. And we find that at the very beginning in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. And that blameless doesn't mean that they've never sinned. It doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't mean that, that they don't struggle with things. What blameless means is that the pastor keeps short accounts of sin. In other words, they don't let sin fester. If a sin takes place, if a pastor sins, they fail, they confess it, they get up, they move on. In other words, blameless means there's no occasion for someone to be able to 
to to look at your life and to say, here is something that hasn't been dealt with yet. It, it, it gives no occasion for any kind of reproach. Now, what I mean by that is it doesn't mean that you can't go and challenge a pastor and say, I see some things that are unbiblical in your life. It just means the pastor should take, he should set the pace and say, in my own life, I don't want anything that anybody can grab onto and say, here is sin in your life. So that's blameless. That's the overarching thing. Everything else kind of comes underneath that characteristic of being blameless. The second thing is a man of one woman. Literally, if a pastor is married, he should have only one wife. Now that goes without saying, right? And if he's married or if he is not married, now by the way, this doesn't mean that a pastor has to be married. If he's married, he should be a one-woman man. He should be moral and sexually pure. And you can look in Scripture and see what the boundaries for moral and, and, and sexual purity are. But he should be um, not running around. He shouldn't be a womanizer. And the second thing about this is the fact that Paul specifically means, or Paul specifically mentions that a pastor is a man of one woman gives another impression that the role of a pastor is designed for men, not for women. So um, that that's if you want more on that, go back to the previous episode and you'll hear more on that. Okie dokie. The, the, the next thing we see is that a pastor should be sober. Some of your Bibles may say vigilant. That means he's clear thinking. He doesn't just go off the 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 handle with his emotions, in other words. He should think clearly, and you need to do that. You need Studying the Bible and thinking biblically is a systematic approach, and you need to think that way. That may take time. It doesn't mean that you can't have any emotions. It just means you can't be ruled by your emotions. Self-controlled is the next characteristic, and that means to be serious about biblical issues. It means to, to not be self-willed. And we see Titus 1, 7, and 8 also mention about being uh, not being self-willed. A pastor that is that is not willing. A pastor that is not willing, that's my dog, by the way. Uh, a pastor that's not willing to listen to other people that thinks he is the only one that's right. Uh, that's a warning sign. That's a red flag right there. Self-controlled is another characteristic. The next one is of good behavior. This means a pastor's life should be orderly. That doesn't mean that that everything has to be put in place. And, and I disagree with some that says this means that the pastor should have, you know, he should be able to have his house inspected and, you know, be an open door as far as that. I, I'm not convinced that it goes that far. But I do think that a pastor's life should be orderly. He shouldn't be running on the edge all the time. And and he should have some downtime. He should have some time when, you know, when he can kind of reflect on things. But things should be running somewhat in a systematic way. Hospitable 
A pastor should be fond of guests. We see this also in Titus 1.8. If you have a pastor that always wants to be alone and never really likes to be around people, that's kind of against the role of a pastor. If you're not a people person, uh, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. Apt to teach. This is one that, that uh, I see a lot of times. You have people in, in the role of an elder, but maybe they're not a, 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 not necessarily the pastor of the church, but they call themselves an elder or they've been appointed as an elder, and they can't, they couldn't explain Scripture to you if they tried, or they don't even have any basics of interpreting the Bible. That's bad. A, a, a pastor, an elder, shepherd, bishop, overseer, whatever you want to call them, should be able to teach. They should be able to have the ability to interpret and explain and defend the gospel and refute error. That's important. If you have someone that is in the role of a teacher that can't teach, you're in trouble. We also see this in 1 Timothy 4, 6, 11, 1 Timothy, um, um, sorry, let me say that again. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6, 11, 14, chapter 5, verse 17, 2 Timothy 2, 15, and verse 24, and Titus 2, 1 also refers to this. Not given to wine. A pastor or an elder should not be addicted or drunk with wine. We see this in 1 Timothy 5, 23, and Titus 1, 7. An elder or a pastor should not be a striker. They should be someone who's not ready to just ball up the fist and go at it. They shouldn't be one that attacks quickly, even on a verbal scale. Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes you have to get aggressive with people. You may have to help them see things, but they should not be someone that is just ready to fight, ready to attack someone verbally. And we see this in Titus 1.7. An elder should also be gentle. They should be patient and mild. They should be quick to forgive and, and, and let things go. They should be considerate of other people. A pastor or an elder should not be a brawler. They should be peaceable. Uh, they, they shouldn't be a fighter. Or they shouldn't be ready to take somebody to court. Or just have a general quarrelsome nature. A pastor should be without coveting. They, they shouldn't just have an insatiable desire for more and more, whether it's wealth or applause. We see this in Titus 1.7. They should be able to rule their house well. They should be able to direct their family to Christ. Now, I've heard someone say um, that that means that their, their, their wife and their kids must also be believers. And certainly an unbelieving wife and a pastor, it's happened, but that's not the optimal thing. But you can't keep a pastor accountable for his adult children. You can't make a pastor accountable for the whether his children, even if they're small or older, whether they know Christ. The pastor can just lead people to water. He can't make them drink. So uh, I think going too far in saying that, well, your kids all have to, to know Christ and follow Christ, that should be the goal. But children have their own minds, 
and a pastor can only do so much. They should have their children in subjection, and this kind of goes along with things. But we're talking about being subjective or being in subjection to Scripture. If you go back to 1 Samuel, you'll see two characters. Their names are Hophni and Phinehas, and they were, the, they were priests along with their father, Eli. And Hophni and Phinehas were corrupt. They were doing, um, doing things, they were immoral. And Eli didn't seem to really say anything or confront them. That's the idea here. And again, Eli can't control the immorality of his sons, but he can, he can say, hey, you, you, there are consequences for this. So we also see this in Titus 1.6. So this doesn't mean that your kids are always going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that when they're older, they won't do things that you'll go, oh boy. But you need to be pointing your family as a leader. You need to be pointing your family to Christ. And if your children are in your household, they need to be following the rules that you set down, and those rules should be in subjection to Scripture. A pastor should be caring for the church. That goes without saying. That's the role of a pastor. A pastor should not be a new believer, Paul says. Pardon me, just one moment. A pastor should not be a, a new believer. They should be spiritually mature. Paul says they can get into trouble if they're a new believer. And uh, too many times we can do that. We have someone that has a great conversion to Christ and we want to make them a leader. We need to wait and give them time to grow. A pastor or an elder should have a good testimony among outsiders. And again, we could do a witch hunt and say, if anybody says anything about the pastor that's bad, uh, then he doesn't belong there. You know what? There's always going to be someone that's going to have something to say about you. There's, you're, you're never going to have 100% of the people liking you. It's the same with pastors as well. But if generally you have someone who just doesn't have a good testimony outside, um, and the and the bad testimonies are valid, then you got a problem with your pastor. A pastor should be just. They should treat people with justice. We see this in Titus 1.8. They should also be devout when it comes to their relationship with God. And I don't mean that they should have a halo over their head. What I mean is they should love the Lord with all of their heart, soul, strength, body, and, and stuff, and mind, too. I left that out. We see that also, also in Titus one eight. Okay, now that was kind of kind of a you know, long list there. The longest one is for uh, pastors. Now, when we come back, what I want to do is I want to finish things out with uh, with deacons and deaconesses, and let's take a look at their qualifications as well. And. Uh, I'll probably start off the next segment with explaining a few things more about the pastor, and, and then we can go into deacons. We'll see you in just a moment. All righty, guys, we are back for this last segment, and uh, we're going to go through the qualifications of deacons and deaconesses. Um, but before we do, I just want to say a, a few more things about the role of a pastor. Um, the role of a pastor is, um, again, it's it, it doesn't mean that you're a perfect person. But there are standards, and there are legitimate times whenever um, 
someone does not belong in the pastorate, if there is continued sin, um, and, and unrepentant sin, and specifically when it when it deals um, when it deals with the things that Paul mentions here, then then maybe it's time for someone who is in the pastorate to step down until things can be resolved. And uh, especially, you know, if, if it's something that the pastor has been confronted and, and he is saying, I'm not bending on this, then it would be time for the church, after a proper time of confronting the pastor, say, this can't go on. This can't go on. Um, and, but there's really only one thing that I've seen here that I think would leave a scar. If, if someone did, would leave a scar where they could not return to the ministry. And that is the one of a, a being the man of one woman. Now, some people will say that being the man of one woman, if you're divorced, you could never be a pastor. I disagree with that. I think there are things in Scripture that point to um, there are times when um, it may be out of your hands that a divorce occurs. Uh, there may be a legitimate reason. And the only thing I can think of would be in the case of adultery. But even in that, in the case of adultery, forgiveness should reign. But there are circumstances that, that goes where maybe a pastor is divorced. That's really what I'm trying to get at. And um, Paul even says, if you have an unbelieving spouse and they leave, um, you're under freedom and, and, and let them let them go. Uh, and, and certainly that could possibly happen uh, in the life of someone who's in the pastorate. And if, um, if that's the case, they're, they're, they're extenuating circumstances uh, with divorces. Certainly, if someone's uh, wife would die, if a pastor's wife would die, uh, the fact that they're not married anymore would certainly not bar them from ministry. And uh, if they're single, it doesn't bar them from ministry. But if you have someone that is in the pastorate or seeking to be in the pastorate, and they've got a couple of wives, meaning um, they literally are, a, you know, a polygamist. No, that they couldn't be a pastor. Um, if someone is has a habit of marrying, and they divorced for invalid reasons, or they are living in an adulterous relationship, and and remember, Jesus said, if you know, if, if it's an invalid divorce and you remarry, you are in adultery. And so a situation like that, um, where you've got a divorced person, well, yeah, that would bar you. And it would, it would, I mean, it would bar you. Uh, if you have someone who before they were saved, maybe they got divorced and now they're remarried and now they and their spouse got saved and they're seeking the pastorate or, or the man is seeking the pastorate. I could see where, you know, all things are new with Christ. And uh, I don't, I'm not convinced that that would bar somebody from being uh, in the pastorate. So 
there are extenuating circumstances, but the issue of a, a, a man of, being a man of one woman um, would be the only thing that I think there could be some some actions that would permanently bar you um, from being in the pastorate. So I just want to explain that, and uh, you know, we could go through a million scenarios, and and uh, you know, if you have further questions, you're always more than welcome to uh, to contact me. So as we go on here, um, let's talk about the qualifications for a deacon. And um, we find, um, is, again, the, I'm primarily taking this from the First Timothy chapter three verses one through thirteen passage, um, but we can also see some things in Titus one seven and eight. Again, you know, we can see some things. But a deacon, remember, the deacon is taking care of the physical needs primarily of the church. Paul says he needs to be honorable or honest. He, in other words, his life and his words need to be following biblical practices. It doesn't mean that he's perfect, but it does mean that he, he needs to be walking with Christ, keeping short accounts of sin. A deacon can't be a double-tongued person. And this means what you would say something to one person and then say something totally different to another. In other words, talking out of two sides of your mouth. You can't do that. A deacon, like a pastor, cannot be addicted or drunk with wine. He, he can't uh, be covetous. That's what it means uh, by not regarding sordid gain or filthy lucre. It means to not be covetous or to be unscrupulous in the way that you make or earn money. A deacon must be able to hold to the mystery or hold the mystery with a pure conscience. The mystery there would be the, the gospel. They need to be able to proclaim the gospel in the way they live and the way they talk. A deacon must be examined. In other words, he must be approved. He, it, with, a pastor, with a pastor or a deacon, you can't have someone that just comes up and say, oh, I'm going to self-proclaim myself as the leader of this church. Nope, it doesn't work that way. They need to be examined and approved. A, a, a deacon must be blameless, the same thing that we see with, uh, with an elder. They must be blameless. We see that again in Titus verse, uh, chapter, seven, chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Again, let me say that Titus chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 says the same thing. A deacon, just like a pastor, needs to be blameless. In other words, there isn't, shouldn't be anything in their life where someone can go, you are not taking care of this. A deacon must be also be the man of one woman. So if they are married, they need only have one woman. They need to be morally and sexually pure. Again, we go back. If someone divorces that for a non-biblical reason, and the only biblical reason that Jesus concedes to even though he doesn't, he's not saying you have to divorce your spouse for adultery, but adultery is the only thing that would be a valid reason to divorce. Again, the first option is to forgive and to restore that relationship. But any other reason for divorcing other than adultery, well, that would mean if you married 
another person that you would be in an adulterous relationship that would bar you from being a deacon. Uh, it doesn't mean that a divorced man, if he never remarries, um, and, if, and if it was out of his hands, well, yeah, he could be a deacon. If someone is not married, then he could be a deacon as well. But it's talking about moral and sexual purity. A deacon must be able to rule his own children and his own home well. God's put, God puts the man as responsible for the household. He needs to be able to direct to direct his family to Christ. Now, we've gone through the, the, the qualifications for a pastor, the qualifications for um, a deacon. Let's look at the qualifications for um, a deaconess. Paul says that a deaconess, and this is where we, we get, um, is it uh, verse 13, I think. Let me just make sure that I say that correctly. Verse 13 Nope. Verse 11, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11 talks about women. And if you go back to the previous podcast, I explained this, but um, the, one, the word there is, is gunaikos, which could mean either wife or woman. Under the context, it looks like it is referring to a woman rather than the wife of a deacon. And because of that, that's why I, I call these ladies deaconesses. They are servants just like a deacon, they minister to the church in the physical needs of the church. And, and we could see that there would be a need for, for helping the physical needs of women to be done by other women. So uh, go back in, uh, in the other podcast episode, the previous one, you'll, you'll hear um, a better explanation. But a deaconess, Paul says, must be honest and, or, or honorable. In other words, they need to be biblical in their words and their deeds. A deaconess can't be a false accuser, and many interpret this as being a gossip, but I think we could just take it at face value. A false accuser, someone who who um, may go... Uh, well, the word that's used in the Greek is diabolos, which is the word for for uh, for Satan. Satan is the accuser of, of the saints. And a deaconess can't be someone who, who does that. They can't be talking badly about someone else, um, especially when it's not true. I mean, they, 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 can't, they can't bring up false accusations. A deaconess needs to be sober or vigilant. Again, clear thinking, like the pastor, a deaconess should not be ruled by her emotions. It doesn't mean they can't have any emotions. It just means they can't be ruled by their emotions. And a deaconess must be faithful in all things. They must be trustworthy. So those are the qualifications. Now, there's something else that I want to take a step back. And, and you know, we could go through a thousand different scenarios. But let's say, let's go back to pastor and deacon. And there is a, a moral and sexual purity there. And... Um, I want to go back to that again because, you know, there, there could be some questions on that. Listen, I can't think of one married person. I can't really think of too many unmarried people who are believers that have never failed morally or sexually. I'm not saying that there are none. I'm just saying that it's few. 
So let's go outside of the realm of something where you get divorced or you have, um, uh, you, you get divorced and you're remarried. And, and, I mean, an unbiblical divorce and remarriage is something that would bar you from being a pastor or a deacon. If you are living in an adulterous relationship that would bar you, and the reason why is if you're divorced and you remarry and you're in an adulterous relationship, well, how do you get out of that? You can't, really. It doesn't mean you can't be forgiven. It just means that that's a scar that it would pretty much take you out of the running for being a, an elder or a deacon. But let's say that you made a mistake. Let's say that you, you even whether you're not married or you're married, and, and you commit, um, um, you're unfaithful in some way, and, and whether it's mentally or, you know, uh, you, you are unfaithful with your eyes or literally unfaithful, does that permanently bar you? Well, again, I still think there's a chance that if something happens where you restore the relationship to your wife, that you could come back as a pastor or a deacon. You see, sexual impurity isn't an unforgivable sin. The only reason I would say that an unbiblical divorce, and the reason why I'm calling it an unbiblical divorce simply because if it's a divorce that's outside of what Jesus allows, which would be in the case of adultery. But if you divorce and you remarry, Jesus makes it pretty clear. You are living in an adulterous relationship. That would permanently bar you. But let's say that you something happened. Um, you have an impure thought. You, you do something that, that is out of bounds, but you repent. You stay with your wife you, you reconcile with your wife. I would even say that there are still chances for a pastor or for someone to go back into the pastorate or go into the pastorate or be a deacon. Now, I know that I'm talking here, you know, I'm, I'm bringing up different scenarios and, and such, but um, this isn't a witch hunt. Like I said before, these qualifications are not a witch hunt. And um, I just want to, uh, you know, many people can look at this and they can, well, they can say, well, I could never be qualified for a pastorate or for, for a role as a deacon because, you know, I, I had an impure thought when I was uh, 15 years old or, or I had a period in my life when I was disobedient and, and you know, um, that stuff's forgivable. It doesn't mean it's not serious, but it's forgivable. If if you had a a, a sexual um, or moral lapse, and you sinned, and you repented, and you've restored relationships, um, th there's a chance still. So, um, and and the reason why I bring that up is because uh, uh, you know, many times whenever I will ask people about, hey, you know, could you could you serve as an elder or a deacon? They'll say, well, I'm just not qualified. Well, I think there's a lot of guilt 
out there in the church about sin. And yeah, there should be, but once we've confessed it, we can move on. And I'm telling you, there is nobody that has a an absolute perfect record. Nobody. And the reason why I bring it up with that particular area is because that's, again, the particular area that I see where, yes, there are some occasions where you would be barred. You, you just, you could never, you could never be a pastor or a deacon. So if you want more clarification on that, uh, um, you know, we're talking about some things that, you know, take wisdom and, and take adjustment and, and uh, thinking. And uh, if you want more clarification on that, just, you know, you can write me. Um, my, my email address is randy at creationanew.com. Now I'm going a little bit long in this segment because there's one other thing that I want to, that I want to mention. And that is, um, let's say that you are considering going into ministry or you're considering being a minister of a church. Well, what, what, how do you know? Well, what is the calling of a leader? Well, the calling of a leader is, number one, the qualifications we've just went through. If you're out of bounds on those qualifications, you need to fix things before you go into leadership. The other is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. I want to read it to you. It says, it is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. That word aspires there. The Greek word means to stretch yourself as if you're reaching for something. And some people will wait and they'll say, well, I just don't feel called to be in ministry. And maybe they qualify. I just don't feel called. What we should say is, I either want to or I don't want to do this. And if you don't want to be in leadership, that's okay. But don't wait for some fireworks to go off or don't wait for angels to come down and give you a sign. Don't, you know, don't do that. If you, if you meet the qualifications of, of an elder or a deacon, if ladies, if, if you meet the qualifications of a deaconess and you want to serve, then go for it you're free to serve. And so I just want to bring that up because many times people will say, well, I don't feel qualified. Well, really what you should be saying is I don't want to do it. Or if you do want to do it, don't be afraid. Go for it. I love being a pastor. I want to be a pastor. And as long as I'm qualified, the fact that I'm desirous of doing that work, that that gives the green light for me to do that. Same for you too. All righty, guys. Hey, I went a little bit long here, but really, who cares? You know, um, we needed to go through this and uh, I hope that this was helpful to you. If you have questions, please write to me. My email address is randy at creationanew.com. And if you live in the central or west central Indiana area, hey, I, I would welcome you to come to either of the churches that I serve. If you're looking for a home church, um, please come and try us. Um, 
Mount Pleasant Christian Church in Hall, Indiana is located at 5830 West Hurt Road. That's H-U-R-T Road, Monrovia, Indiana, 46157. You can look us up. We're out in the country. It is beautiful out there. And um, you could come and bring, bring your family. We have all age groups there. You're going to hear God's word. You're going to be loved. And the service times start at 10 o'clock in the morning. So if you a little bit earlier in the morning, then you want to look at Mount Pleasant Christian Church in Hall, Indiana. They're an independent Christian church, and we teach God's word. We teach salvation by grace because of what Christ did for us, not works that we have done. And if you like to get up and get going a little bit later in the day, then you want to come to Community Church of Mooresville, located in Mooresville, Indiana. Our address is 61 West Harrison Street, Mooresville, Indiana, 46158. And you'd be welcome to come. Again, you're going to find loving people. You're going to find God's word being taught. And uh, we would love to have you. So um, maybe someday we will meet. Until then, keep coming back and listening. Share this podcast. Tell others about it. And uh, let's, uh, let's grow this community. You guys have a great day. Bye-bye.